Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YB. Time for That Davis Show. I am your host, Kenneth Davis. Follow me at That's Davis. Not That Davis. That's Davis. The show's title is named That Davis Show, though. So there's a difference. It's an S with my Twitter or all my social social media handles. Of course, executive producer of That Davis Show and The Flippin' Friends is Ryan Bukovetsky. You can follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski 1 on Instagram. Uh, Let's go off top. Off top. Oh, I come with the elbow. Elbow, right. Well, like, getting on the, smacking his belly, about to jump off the rope. (laughs) This race is WWF. All right. Your guy. (laughs) Off top. Uh, One thing, let's start. Off top. We'll start with something that's important. Uh, D put it in the text chain today. He asked a question of how we were going to plan to go out and vote. Um, and I thought initially, because I, I asked after, I was like, yo, are we voting by mail or are we going to vote? She said she didn't trust that she was going to go vote, which just totally left me out of it, which is just, that's how that person is. Um, so it hit me that, you know what? And I, the real reason that the fear is Kelsey and not keeping her hands to herself, because we usually go vote as a family so the kids can watch us vote so they can get used to it and know that it's something important that they need to do moving forward. Uh, for the people that say political, vote anyway. It's better for you, especially if you're of this hue. Uh, safer, probably. And I know not to say the Democrats are doing the stuff they need to do for us. And I'm not telling you how to vote. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hit me that, Ryan, that I was thinking that, you know what? I was probably going to go vote in person. Usually uh, we vote early and we drive over to Olive Harvey. Um, there Usually there's not really any long lines in there. Uh, people kind of know us uh, up in there a little bit. So I think I'm, I I will vote in person. So I want to know, how did you plan on voting? Yeah, when Dee sent that question, I was thinking about it. I'll probably go early voting, I think. I, I don't want to do it election day because just mm-hmm. thinking that there's going to be a lot of people and that just doesn't feel safe. So definitely got to do it beforehand. But I think uh, I think I'm going to go for early voting because I guess if you're going to do mail in, you pretty much have to commit like now. Right. Because I mean, conspiracy theorists or not or whatever is going on, like you just don't want to take that chance, right? Right. Right. I feel though out there, you're probably going to have ushers just whisking you through the lines in the city. You know, since they think they know what the way that vote's going to go, they're going to have the lecture judges not showing up that day. <laughs> it's going to be open. <laughs> Like, man, what's going on? <laughs> like, long lines. Are you sure you want to vote? Right, <laughs> long lines. Um, it's a pandemic. You should probably just go home. Exactly. Uh, I wonder also about the places that are the, the, these um, uh, um, stadiums or arenas or these, these places where concerts are being held that are going to be turned into voting centers. Man, I wonder how that's going to go, especially with the pandemic situation. I wonder, especially since you haven't seen anything like that, I wonder what type of safety protocols they're going to have in place to kind of keep people separated in a closed environment. Since we know some sports uh, are allowing fans in to a certain capacity, but those sports are outdoors. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see indoors how they go about doing it 
But yeah, I think I'm a mask up, gloves up, same with the kids. Uh, drive over there, man, and put my vote in real quick. So you guys are not going to break tradition, like, because you could have one parent go. That's what I'm saying. Maybe one of us go. No, we probably still. You wouldn't have the visual factor you talked about, though, if you do it that way. I mean, I thought about what you're saying. That All right, right, you go. Come sit in the car with the kids. I go. Um, But it was also just like, you know what? She's getting a little better. I'll have her. I'll just have her with me. Uh, She listens a little bit more to me. Um, I'll have Kelsey right next door, right right next to me. Like, you better not touch nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> you better not touch a damn thing. Uh, so, I mean, you think how many people are coming and going in there and, and touching everything. Uh, but, yeah, I'll just probably do that and uh, try to get it done as soon as possible. I'm getting, like, visions. Like, she touches something and it rigs the election for Trump. Like, the uh, whole thing. <laughs> on, my, on my child. You're going to put that on my poor child. Damn you! <laughs> She's the one! Exactly. Living in shame for the rest of her days. Oh, man, don't put that on my baby. I'm not going to the put that. Well, she can't rig the election for him. She Come could. on. She could. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> she can do anything. <laughs> she can be president. Uh, I got another. I got another off top. Off top? Uh, did you turn on the television yesterday and see the dreadheaded cowboy uh, galloping down to Dan Ryan as a, a Keep Kids Alive protest? He was surrounded by motor, uh, motorcycle bikers who protected him and the horse. Uh, he actually showed the clip where he got on the ramp and he's like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Go! Right, because they kind of set the lane for him to come in. And he 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 gallop, gets the horse to get he gallying up. Uh, but yeah, he ended up they ended up taking the horse. The horse is at some shelter getting uh, provided care. I don't know if they're going to return the horse to him. Uh, but he was out there for for keep the kids, uh, keep kids, uh, uh, kids lives matter is what he was out there for. So it was a pretty good cause. Uh, the reason why the brother was out there, uh, hopefully, he gets his horse back and the horse is, is is fine. I wonder how that horse's hooves felt though on that. That that concrete, even though I know he rides on the concrete all the time, but still that galloping on that concrete, I was like, man, I I, I feel sorry for that that poor beast of bird. Did your uh, did your knee start aching when oh. you saw that? Oh. <laughs> but yeah, it was just uh, it was definitely. Wait, I I'm confused. Why this? is the horse being involved in this? Because he's the dreadheaded cowboy. You can't be a cowboy without a horse, unless you're like. On that concrete? Bon Jovi, unless you're like Bon Jovi. Oh, God. Of you ride. I don't know if you know that he's in the club with JT and Ellen, by the way. Really? Yeah. Big why, is, why is Bon Jovi? Oh, my God. If Dead just, or Yeah. The cliche, terrible pop, whatever. I don't even. What genre is he? Hair metal, maybe that was hair metal. My God, I think that was hair metal. It was like hair metal with like a twinge of Bruce Springsteen's work aesthetic. I feel like because it was different. It wasn't pure hair metal, because but it was still like that glitzy. It was hair metal. Like you look at him, and Rick, yeah, he had it for sure. It was hair metal for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing I always remember with him, he was at some wedding, and I guess like the band started playing that like. Halfway there, give it a prayer, or whatever. Uh-huh. And he like was kind of going into singing. He like rolls his eyes, like he's just like so anti singing it. It's just like, come uh, on, man. What are you here for? Right? Yeah. Oh. 
Like, uh, you can't just sing a one song at a wedding. Like, you're not the band. Relax. Like, but, exactly like. But think about how much he gets paid to perform. Right. You can't sing once like, at a wedding. You never, like, you're never at a wedding and the surgeon's there and somebody's like, needs an appendectomy. And you'd be like, you just can't do it for the free surgeon here. <laughs> <laughs> Really? But the surgeon, <laughs> if he was needed, would probably act. Bon Jovi will not act when needed. You didn't. We listen, know did that. You, did you? Hey. Did you read his writer? Did you provide him the, 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 with the, what he needs to perform? There's a certain level to Bon Jovi. All right, you just don't come out willy nilly and start singing yeah. these hits. All right, you right. have to be prepared. I need someone to write these for me, you idiots. <laughs> I can't just go up there and sing something I don't know. Oh. No way. You're, Listen, I know you didn't my see. Haters. I know you didn't see uh, Patty Labelle versus Gladys Knight's versus, correct? Right. But one of the things was Patty kept asking, like, "Where's the lyrics at?" She was like, "These songs are old. Where's my lyrics? When y'all gonna put the lyrics up there?" Dion Ward came out and kind of said the same thing. I'm sure, being the diva that he is, Bon Jovi feels the exact same way. Like, wait. Where's the lyric? Like, you gotta have this right. You just can't just have it. And then it's gonna go viral. Oh my God. He doesn't know the words. All right. He, he listen, he may, have been, he may have been a little lit too. So now he's up there slushing. He's an owner of a arena football team. I don't even still know if he owns that arena football team. I know he's been trying to get ownership in the NFL for a long period of time. Look, if you're Beyonce, I get that. You got a lot to lose. You're bon Jovi, that, I mean, the bar is down to Beyonce's ankle if you're Bon Jovi. You're just tripping over him, if anything. Like, he's got nothing to lose. Nothing. Oh, oh, the good name of Bon Jovi. No, no. You you don't sully that name, sir. The good name that also he slapped on his band. Who am I going to name this band? I got it. Bon Jovi. Myself. I think my name is Fly. Oh, my God. Richard said, boy, you go sit your ass down. All I know is, this world ends, you can't count on him to perform. Mm. He's going to let all of us down. Mm, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. But I'm, I'm going to give him some leeway. Uh, and the last, the last off top. Off Ryan, top? <laughs> Ryan hit me with this. I had been doing some work um, before we came on. Uh, the Bulls have announced their new head coach. I thought, of course, we, we were thinking in a group, it was going to be West Sunset Jr., the son of the greatest outlet passer ever in the NBA at Hall of Famer West Unsell. Wow, that sounds like a bull right there. Also the middle name of one Kevin uh, West Love because his father and West Unsold were teammates. Um, it's Billy Donovan, former uh, Florida coach, also a now former coach of the OKC Thunder. Um, this is the first time since Scott Skiles that the Bulls have hired a coach with previous coaching experience, um, I want to say maybe in our lifetime, because I don't think Doug Collins, Doug, Doug Collins wasn't a head coach prior to being up. I don't believe so. And, if he uh, was, it wasn't in the NBA. It, that's for it sure. Was, it was very briefly. And his, also remember, his coaching, his NBA career was cut short uh, because of, uh, I think, knees or ankles. I think his knee. Uh, but I don't think Doug Collins was. We know Phil Jackson wasn't. Um, so, so on and so forth. This is, they, they went out and got one of the, the, as a candidate, one of the better head coaches out on the market. Now, I don't necessarily know if that's going to work, but also it kind of says something to uh, Arturis Karniasovas from the fact that you thought he would go to, to home, to Denver, 
and get someone who's worked with. And he went and got someone that, as far as we know, that he hasn't worked with whatsoever, but has proven himself, and particularly this year, how well of a coach he can be. Some people can say that was Chris Paul, but how well of a coach he is with the OKC team that wasn't supposed to sniff the playoffs uh, in the West and uh, made it into the bubble. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they shook a few things uh, against I took Houston deeper than what we necessarily expected. So, um, listen, I will go into it more later, but I, from this point, I'll say shout out to the Bulls. And, I mean, again, Kevin Durant may not like this. Remember his burner account, some of the stuff he had to say about Billy Donovan's coaching uh, that, that first year that he was there before he, he bounced to go to the Golden State. But, uh, man, Billy Donovan's there. So, I know we'll dive into it deeper, but what were your thoughts when you first saw that? Yeah, I was pretty surprised. Um, one, I guess mainly on Billy's side right now, he must really see something in this Bulls team for him to come here because we talked about this as soon as he left OKC in our text chain. Mm-hmm. And I think I even asked the group, does it make sense for him to come to the Bulls? And a lot of people felt, well, he's not going to go to a rebuild because that's why he's leaving OKC. And we think for sure the Bulls are still in a rebuild. I mean, the East is bad enough that they can get into the playoffs if everything's working and they increase the talent a little bit more, but that's not competing at the same time too. So he must uh, really liked what the Bulls were presenting. He must feel that there's enough talent here where he can really get this team at a high level playoff level right away. And they are about to add at least one major asset in the number four pick in the draft. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, we'll, we'll dive further into it uh, later on the show, but Good gift for the Bulls. All right, I'm going to switch off, uh, do a little bit more Bulls discussion, but also jump into this last Bears game against the Giants. Uh, listen, it's a tale of two halves, which seems like that's how the season's going to be. And also talk about the upcoming game versus the Falcons when the Bears are going to get their asses blown out that day of the show. Seven. Oh, my goodness. How about Davis? Again, taking it in. Springs high and down hard. We have breaking news that we're going to get right to now with our agent Warjanowski. And it starts with a man who's been in Oklahoma City for the past, what, five years? Woj, what can you tell us? Uh, Sage, uh, I'm told Billy Donovan has agreed to a deal to become the new head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, our tourist, Karnishavis, the new uh, executive VP in Chicago, was real aggressive in pursuing Donovan. Uh, once he walked away from the Oklahoma City Thunder job, they had already interviewed a number of candidates, uh, but two former Big East guys, a Providence guy, a Seton Hall guy now, uh, leading the fortunes for the Chicago Bulls. And I'm told that Donovan really connected with Karnishevis. Uh They met, they talked, that young roster in Chicago that has a, a lot of potential and talent, and then the chance to try once again to be a big player in free agency in Chicago now you've got your team in the front office with Karnishevis, and now Billy Donovan, who was the co-NBA Coaches Association Coach of the Year this past season, Oklahoma City. He's agreed, I'm told, to a multi-year deal, and he'll replace Jim Boylan as the Bulls head coach. That Davis show, we're back. Uh, let's finish our discussion. Let's jump back into the discussion when it comes to the Bulls and the hiring of Billy Donovan as the new head coach. You had just said that, uh, one thing that you said, Ryan, was the fact that we believe that Billy Donovan wasn't looking for a rebuild and that the Bulls do have talent. It also goes to show what Sam Presti must really be planning on the, planning on doing with really ripping that team down, down. Because thinking about him and when you're talking about um, Kevin Durant, uh, Russell, Russell Westbrook, and also James Harden, 
he wants premium asset. That's what he likes. You know what I'm saying? Like he wants to get in, into that the top part of the lottery, at least I would say the top eight in the lottery, uh, and then let his scouting the type of stuff that he he, he feels like he does well uh, to try to pick out that talent and probably rebuild that team. You know they have Shea Gillis-Alexander. Uh, is probably really the only young asset that they probably look at is keeping and growing, even though defensively there's uh he there's that he leaves uh he leaves a lot to be desired uh sometimes. I like it. You know what I'm saying? I've I've been a Billy Donovan fan. I loved him in Florida with Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford and Corey Brewer. Um all with benefit remember he was supposed to go to the Magic, uh, then decided to stay in Florida, and that's when that's how Stan Van Gundy ended up getting that job after being let go by the Miami Heat. Uh, when Pat Riley came back down out of the, the executive office to coach that team to a championship, because Shaquille O'Neal didn't care for Stan Van Gundy's coaching. Uh, then uh, uh, Billy Donovan, six seasons ago, I believe now, decided to finally go to OKC uh, with Kevin uh, the Kevin Durant's walk year. or I think it was Kevin Durant's walk year. Maybe he had two seasons. I think it was Kevin Durant's walk year. Uh, but with just a Russell, Russell Westbrook, they didn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, but still, for a team like the Bulls, because think about it, this isn't cheap. This isn't uh, Jim Boylan money, where it's like you're getting paid high assistant money uh, for to be a head coach. This has to be around $5 million a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, so already spending money on the front office. Now you're spending money on a, a, a known commodity as a coach. Um, uh, it's, it, it looks good. I mean, I, I, I would like to see. Uh, he must like Zach Levine. Uh, he must like some Laurie Markman and some Kobe White and some Wendell Carter. Um, like you said, he had to see something there. And what they told him, I really want to know, and they, the Bulls, uh, well, Adrian Wojnarowski, who, who broke it, it was a Woj bomb. Um, I want to know what the Bulls said to him. He said the Bulls were aggressive as well, Woj said, as soon as he announced that he was leaving OKC. Uh, I, I, I wish I could be a flower on, on, on the wall in that room to hear what they said they planned on doing and who they planned on centering around talent-wise here and uh, also as far as trying to go out and get some people to come here uh how, how they talked about they were going to do that moving forward um but yeah uh to get somebody i wonder who's going to be on the staff um i wonder what arturis karnasovas bring in um what's what's unsell jr would he want to leave denver in that situation i believe he's the head assistant in denver would he leave a place like that or who what other uh, assistant coaches, will they be attached to Arturis or Mark Easily, or will it be Billy Donovan has control over all of that? He can bring in all of his guys. But what were your thoughts further when you heard the news break that Billy Donovan was going to video the Chicago Bulls new head coach, right? Uh, one thing that really jumped to me was, and you pointed this out earlier, how we got a head coach with some head coaching experience. That's uh, that's pretty rare kind of in Chicago teams in general, mm-hmm. let alone the Chicago Bulls. Like you said, uh, Scott Skiles is really – like Tim Floyd was a college coach. Doesn't really count, though, when you talk about NBA. Um, I really like that aspect of it, and I, I'm, I just immediately had flashes to his first, like, post-game conference, his pre-game stuff, you know, any type – of time hearing Billy Donovan speak, that's going to be really interesting because we already are going to hold him at a high standard coming in, him being already a head coach with experience. And then I wonder how much he's going to be in on the scouting. It seems like Arturis really wants to build a trust, a brain trust with a lot of uh, opinions and thoughts. And you would think Billy Donovan with the success he had in college. And even though I didn't love him as an NBA head 
coach, I feel like he's getting better and better each year. It's not something where he's really just kind of been relying on his stars. Like, uh, who was the last guy right before Philly that went to uh, Washington? Uh, I'll look it up here. But that coach was definitely reliant on Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And oh, you're talking Hart. about Scott Brooks? Yes, yes. Oh, Scott man, don't you, don't you get me started on Scott Brooks. <laughs> point guard and just ne- like he ha- didn't figure it out in OKC still even though John Wall's been hurt didn't figure it out in Washington oh yeah I thought you meant uh, a, I thought you meant a head coach from college that went to uh, Washington uh, no the Wizards that's why I, I, I blanked out yeah Scott you know I always had some Scott Brooks not to dislike as a person but dislike as a coach I didn't just I don't feel like especially being a former NBA player that he, he gets enough out of his guys um, yeah listen I, I, everything you said, you've seen growth. It seems to have been growth in Billy Donovan's coaching expertise as he's been in the league longer, which you expect because there's, that's a learning curve right there. The, being a college coach, a championship, two-time NCAA champion um, at Florida, and that's your domain, right? They, they do what you tell them to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near where in the NBA it's a player's league. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, you're, you're at, to a certain degree – you got to go with the flow with the players. You, yes, you want to instill that I'm, I'm the head man in charge, but it's only to some degree because it's easier to get rid of you than to get rid of these players. And I mean, I think the type of players they had were all were superstars, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right away, lottery picks. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, doubt, no doubt about it. So um, it, 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 I, I think he's definitely made progress. Um, I look forward to see uh, – I look forward to really seeing his X's and O's closely nightly here in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? I, I really do. I look forward mm-hmm. to how, how he helps with the development of some of these young players. And again, the good thing is, you, uh, listen, assistant coaches, um, they, they, they've been in uh, winning uh, programs, but this is the guy that's been at the head of a program. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a guy learning how to be the, how to move one seat over to the head coaching spot. And yes, he, he, he's helped either offensively or defensively or helping with the development of players. No, this is the guy that's been the CEO of all of that. Uh, so I, I look forward to it. Also, I'll say this too. Um, and again, I, maybe I'm going too far with this. Looking at a stable organization like OKC with Sam Presti, you would think he wouldn't want to go to something that seems unstable. So I wonder what he sees in Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Ezerly, um to decide that those guys are stable and that he's not entering into a burning house. Um, so it, I think it also helps to validate those two guys that they could pull this coach with a franchise that, that's not doing well. Like, they were, I mean, the only thing that's good about the Bulls is that they're in Chicago. Like, I'm sure when they talk about Billy Donovan, yeah, it's cold, but this Chicago, bro, you've been eating, all you can get in Oklahoma is a good steak probably because – yeah, barbecue. Barbecue. The cow, barbecue. Yeah, the, the cows are, are right, right, coming right across that bad boy. So you can cut it off of them right as they're going through the prairie or whatever. Um, and guess what? You can get as good of a steak here as you could in Oklahoma City. Better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it may be a little fresher there. But uh, you're, coming to a, you're coming to a big city market. I mean, think about it. He's been down there in Florida in a small town in Gainesville. He's been in Oklahoma City. Uh, now you're coming to Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think about some of the other teams that he probably had the opportunity to uh, to go to, like for instance, like Philadelphia. But you don't like you don't even know what's going to happen to Elton Brand in Philadelphia. Like that's mm-hmm. that's like you don't want to sit there and go there and then there's a he, Elton Brand gets replaced 
and they bring in another GM, and then it's a ticking time bomb until he decides to replace you with his guy. You know what I'm saying? Where here, the slate is clean, and I'm sure they, I'm sure he has a four or five year deal. <laughs> yeah, and Ken, how about uh, New Orleans? That would seem like a great place for Billy Donovan to go. I mean, you got a ton of young talent. They're clearly ready to take another jump. So he must have seen the Bulls where they're at. I, I think the market helps. I think the Eastern Conference helped, and that's mm-hmm. another thing that I'm really curio- curious with Billy. He he developed a pretty good basketball team out of nothing. Like No one expected OKC to do anything this year. And to me, if you can make that kind of group of – they had basically a lot of athletic guys in Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you had Steven Adams, but what's Steven Adams? Is he a guy that's given you really a, a, a big path to the playoffs? I don't think so. So right. he was able to utilize what he had, make it work. They were very solid offensively, pretty solid defensively. And I'm sure a big part of that is Chris Paul, and he's not coming, unfortunately, with uh, <laughs> Billy Donovan. He but may be close. Time, he may be right down the maybe, street walking. Maybe. But uh, at least Billy, with the talent that they have, and then you assume that this fourth pick is going to just be a Billy Donovan guy kind of right away, this could be a, an interesting mesh, and they might, they might be able to do something at least like a la Indiana, where they're you know, kind of a good team but not a great team. You have uh, said something that now is going to bother me. I've never been in a situation where our coach has such a kitty name. And we're going to like, we're not going to be like, we're like, Billy? Man, what is Billy doing? Bill- Billy? Billy? Like, Billy? Man, Billy, you out here bucking. Like, uh, just, just Are you going to shoot him on William when he's wrong? <laughs> William. <laughs> So, Get over here, William. Like, we're not going to call him uh, Donovan. It's going to be Billy. So it's going to be just – it's going to be weird having a, a coach with a name uh, like that. Uh, but, yeah, I look forward to it. And then one thing that you did mention, uh, getting him in early with the NBA uh, draft being moved back a month because it was supposed to be the next month, but now it's in November. Uh, so giving him, giving him time to really get used to what these what, – what's going on because when does – they haven't – have they started the uh, – the, the, um, the uh, uh, voluntary workouts, did they start like a week or so ago? I am not sure on that. Um, if anything, I'm sure it's just players working out because without a coach, I, I don't think that they do anything like team assigned right now. I'm not sure on that, though. Okay. But I, th- I, I do think I was reading something about it. And they may have started. If not, uh, we know that the teams that didn't make the playoffs because they would have they wouldn't have played from March all the way. We found out from Adam Silver in an interview today that um, I think it was a good morning America that he doesn't think the league, the NBA's next season is going to start to January. So you would have a team like the bulls who almost for a whole year from, from last March to January haven't played or practiced with one another. So um, it'd be good to get the new head coach to one, see the players and the talent they already have on the roster and also helps him to evaluate what perhaps they want to get out of the draft, even though Arturis Karnasovas has said they're basically drafting best available and they're not drafting on need, which I, I like. I like to hear that. Um, I, 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 I don't mind uh, duplicates um, in a situation where your team building and you need assets. You need the best assets more than something that fits because this isn't going to be the finished product. At least that was our thoughts. But I mean, is Billy Donovan like the biggest Zach Levine fan that we don't know is like undercover or whatever? Like he's been creaming for Zach Levine. Like, man, when I get my hands on that light-skinnedness, um, 
Well, I'm sure he likes the idea of how, you know, Zach Levine's, what, 6'4", good athlete, can handle the ball, can shoot. Like, I feel like that's where our tourist wants to go is almost get a collection of Zach's. Just have, like, we can play small ball. I Zach's. But, you know, the guys that have different types of skills yeah. besides just one thing, and they have enough size where – because, like, with Kobe – you're going to have to deal with his like inability to jump at some points if he gets played down low. And then if, I don't know, you got Wendell as basically a guy that's constantly injured. Can you trust on him being there? Laurie, you'd probably want him as a stretch five, if anything, I would think. Really? I mean, you don't want him as a four in a, in a regular big lineup, would you? He's going to get hurt playing five. You know, Wendell is the five and Laurie's the four. Uh, Wendell is the dirty word guy. Wendell's already injured in my scenario, though. Oh, true, true, true. Well, we go. Oh, first of all, don't forget we got red. All right. Yes. Put some don't forget, boy. My office, That's Stephen Adams. That is my Stephen office Adams. Right hours are, don't forget red from the yeah, outfit last year. All right, and Gaston. that's true. So don't yeah. So we we good. We 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 good around it. We got we good. All right, like you don't have to put a little lore. Y'all, what do you think uh, the Bulls need right now? Uh, you know what? I uh, I can only go off the players. Um, I will say Edwards from Georgia. You know, I will hope uh, he can. Yeah, he would be great. I will hope that he can. I, I know that he doesn't know how to pick his points. His point. He doesn't know how to pick his spots as far as when he needs to go go off or whatever. And at times he may have been a little lackadaisical. But uh, I mean, I want athleticism and talent. So then after that, and I know some people won't like. It's funny we talk to different people. Wiseman is in the top three. Some people have him. He falls to number seven. But uh, you talked about bigs. I wouldn't mind a, a rim-to-rim shot protector lob, lob machine um, down there, especially when you got uh, Kobe and Zach Levine. Like, you got, you got guys to where you need, you need one protection at the rim, but also you need a guy that can score the ball, easy, get easy twos. So the two guys that I think I like are Edwards and Wiseman. Um, listen, I would love to go with um, – uh, the ball kid, right? Uh, Lamella. I would love, but I don't know what that's gonna be. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. I just don't like. That's a. That's a. I'm hoping he's off the board before you even have yeah, to. Yeah, I, I agree with you because I don't. Because that I mean, dog. If he falls to four, they damn near have to take him. I know. And it's just like uh, that's. A, I know. I I just don't know. I mean, the, he's a turnover machine. Uh, the kid definitely has a, 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 a high basketball IQ and an innate ability to pass the rock. Um, but still, I mean, his shot is questionable. Uh, he's not necessarily just yakking on fools or whatever, but, I mean, he's 6'7". Um, he can see over all the other guards. But, like, I just don't know if I want – if I would take that risk. Now, I'll tell you this. Now, I could be wrong. But if Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Eversley take him, then I'll be interested because they see something I don't. And they see the long potential. So – and then, if they're wrong, I will bring the heat to their asses, and I will never trust them again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what are you about to say? One and done? No, hell no. These these guys got to be here for at least four years. Easy. I mean, you got to think about how. No, I mean your trust. Oh yeah, you know. yeah. If you blow, if you really blow, 
Because we're looking at what, what you did in other organizations. And the question that we don't know is how much of that was you. Now, it seems like our tourist card of service has been getting a lot of props for Djokovic, uh, the center for Denver, uh, the, picking him up in the second round. Seems like he may have been the head identifier on, on, uh, on Joker, right? So, yeah, if, you're, if you've got that up in you, I need to see that hit. Now, if you, you see yeah. that, like, yeah, I see, I see LaMelo Ball, and I, I know what this could be. Initially, I'm going to trust you. Now, if he never comes to – if he never reaches that level and, you, and he's putting in the work, let me say that, he's putting in the work, but he never attains the, the level that you uh, – the, the, the ceiling that you believe he was going to reach, yeah, I'm going to look at the front office. And, again, I, I'm, I'm, there'll be less trust. And then I'll, I'll, the next the draft after that, It'd be the same thing. Um, but the, the good thing about when we brought these, when the Bulls brought uh, the new front office in was player drafting and development, you know, because this is a market where there's very few free, free agents that big time free agents, let me say that, big time free agents in their product that have chosen to come play here. Uh, so you have to do it, in, it like Indiana uh, and those, those other mid-market teams that kind of where Billy Donovan was that um, you got to do it through trades and through, and through the drafts. So uh, they better hit. I mean, they, this is a, you, you lucked into number four. It's something special about y'all because we've been trapped at number seven. All right, yeah, right. Since the trade of, of uh, Jimmy Butler. And I Mark- think at all time, I think it was a rule. The Bears get number seven, period. Bulls, Bulls that was CBA. Right, right. You're like, yeah, yeah, seven. Don't even worry about it. So, I mean, clearly there's something to it. At least I would like to believe that, um, even though it was just by chance. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. It's not bad. I, I, like I can get some people's reservations because of the, like, it's not that Billy Donovan has been a world beater in the NBA. So if someone has, is, is somewhat reserved and is like, well, let, let me wait and see. I can understand that. But being like you said, being here in Chicago, where that's getting someone who's done the job before it is an anomaly. And that's in all the sports outside of Joe Madden and uh, coach Q. You know what I'm saying? Usually here on all our sports, it's somebody that's learning on the job and a first-time guy, which also usually says he's not getting paid a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Or paid by the rate that the, the best at his, his profession are. Unless you're Fred Hoiberg. Right. So but think about how hot he was as far as how many people wanted him, but you're right, unless you're Fred Hoiberg. So as far as them bucking the trend and doing something different in the city, but also for that organization and getting – Perhaps the hottest coach that's left out on the market. Someone could argue perhaps Mike D'Antoni um, uh, may be um, the, the, the hottest coach on the market right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it, and I'm interested in seeing what, what happens moving forward. Any uh, downside to it at all that you can think of? Um, they may not gel. These people haven't worked together before. You know, they, they, may, they may think right now they can get on the same page, they may never really get on the same page. There may be some factors that uh, cause trust issues. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, they don't, you don't know. You don't know how. I'm, I'm sure they've done their due diligence. I'm sure they've talked to – I'm sure Billy Donovan has done his due diligence on uh, the, our GM and our uh, vice president of basketball operations. And I'm sure they did the same with, with Sam Presti and uh, players to find out how they, how they feel about Billy Donovan. But they, they, they may they, this, it's, this may not be a match made in heaven, and they may never see eye to eye, and they may never be able to bring the Bulls to prominence because the coach in the front office don't necessarily uh, get along like we've seen in the past. Here now, hopefully, it's not the same dysfunction as with Barpax 
and the coaching situations because it seemed like they always got tired of the coach, especially if the coach was doing well and he's getting all the props. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely that could be an issue. But I, I we don't know yet. You know, like I, I want to have on rose colored glasses when it comes to the bull situations. But we these people, none of these people have been in this position before from Arturi Karnasovas and Mark Eversley uh, as far as being GM and head of basketball operations before. So they're learning on the job to a certain degree. But that's the, the, the but that goes along with this. While they're learning on the job, they decided not to get someone else's learning on the job to be a head coach. So you don't have three people that are trying to adjust to something. It's two with a seasoned coach that can perhaps help them in, uh, with their adjustment. Also can kind of bring in and tell them some of the things that OKC's practices uh, for, for such a prominent organization with such a, a great a basketball man as Sam Preston. Yeah, for real. Anything you can learn from them that would be cool? Yeah, it's, this, is, uh, this feels like a home run from the Bulls right now. It's nice to feel the change, uh, the change of the wind, mm-hmm. the change of guard from this organization, from being so stale for God so, knows how long. For so long, man. For so, so very long. So switching off, uh, the Bears won. They're 2-0. Whoop-de-doo. It doesn't feel 2-0. And I looked at the ESPN's power rankings, and they're like number 17, so ESPN is keeping it a buck. Like, there are one-in-one teams that are rated higher than the Bears. And it's, well, it's Saints, you gotta put you gotta put them ahead of the Bears. Yeah, their quarterback is done. Yes, their quarterback. We've so been good, saying this so about the Bears for two years. We've been saying this about Drew Brees, and it's like, dude, y'all, listen. I understand you like him and all, but man, boy, boy. <laughs> and then you think you have his replacement in this poor man, Steve Young. Uh, this no. is going to work out as your quarterback. You damn near should have kept Teddy Bridgewater, right? Because at least we saw what Sean Payton could do with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, man, I feel sorry. And I'm sure they'll get better when Michael Thomas uh, finally comes off injury with that high ankle spray. Uh, he went to go uh, to, to get a second opinion from uh, the Packers doctors, I'm sure. Uh, which is funny because I think that the Saints play the Packers and it's like um, – I don't know if I would go use your doctors the week when I got to come play you. Your doctor be like, oh, yeah, that ankle is messed up. You can't play, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, then back to the Bears. Uh, the first half looked good. Um, the defense initial first series was terrific because you got a forced fumble from your free, ag- free agent acquisition and Robert Quinn. Um, but then that kind of disappeared. Um, the pressure still isn't getting there from that front seven. Um, Danny Trevathan uh, was in there, I think, like the least amount of time since he had been in uh, the year before he came here in Denver. Uh, it looks like something's either – listen, you rather something be wrong with him than he hit the wall. And we had all these – listen, we could we could have kept two of those other guys for the money we signed him to. You know what I'm saying? If he's done – and, I mean, let's say this. We all preferred to keep Danny Trevathan for the most part uh, because of how well he played while healthy last season. Um, and the intangibles. Yeah, and the intangibles. And it's, it doesn't still seem like you don't know if you can rest all of that on Roquan Smith's shoulders, um, even though he hasn't had any problems so far uh, this off this season. Um, but the defense still is questionable against uh, a team that lost Saquon Barkley in the first quarter. I mean, if you look at what Deion Lewis was doing to that team, Saquon Barkley would have probably broke two of those bad boys for long runs. I'm not saying he would have scored. But they would have beat the, – the, the Giants would have beat the Bears if Saquon Barkley didn't get hurt. 
uh, believe that. All right, like b- believe that they would have. They Saquon Barkley would have done damage to the Bears because even with with their best options out with Sterling Shepard going out um, in the, in this first half, you still weren't pressuring Daniel Jones enough. And Daniel Jones isn't a world beater, but he's poised. You know what I'm saying? And you were supposed to be ra- you were supposed to be rebel rousing and rallying that kid up to where he just was, he was just throwing the ball like this behind him, just trying to get out of there. And you just didn't see them uh, attack him enough. You didn't see, and I, I know there's a fear, but Chuck Magano being a guy that usually brings pressure, this would have been time to bring the pressure. Like, hey, just stick Evan Ingram. Let's, let's bring some pressure. I mean, uh, Mr. Trubisky uh, had, a, had, had a whack second half, and I put it all on him. Uh, one of those interceptions definitely wasn't his. The one Allen Robinson, he underthrew Allen Robinson. Yeah, you know, the guy, the, the DB fought and stole the ball from Allen Robinson. But when you see how high Allen Robinson is up and how low that ball is thrown, that ball should have been so – it should have been thrown to where only Allen Robinson – I mean, Allen Robinson can necessarily get it. And we, we went from the first half where it's like, damn, this Bears out here doing they dizzle, right? Like, okay, I see you, Bears. To a, we're in the fourth and it's like, oh, they, they, they may win this game. And it's just like, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and it is because – you're, these are two teams that aren't good in the Lions, even though the Lions have a better quarterback uh, in the Lions and in the Giants. And the Giants were hurt or decimated by injuries to their skilled players, and you still didn't take advantage of that. And um, that that's just questionable. I think McNaggy called a good game. Uh, I think I think the best thing about the Bears this year has been Matt Nagy's play call. Sticking to the run, not exposing Mitchell Trubisky, winning ugly but still trying to score the ball down the field, but Mitch necessarily not making the proper reads. And Anthony Miller with that horrific drop uh, that he had on the pass that Mitch basically dropped it in his hands like this uh, for what, 17 or seven, something yards. But that's just a few of my thoughts on this pass game. What are yours? Uh, what's that expression? Does the ceiling meet the floor? Something like that. You mean that Jordan one? Yeah. He was at UNC and he was like, the ceiling is – I forgot what it was. It was the ceiling is the floor. The floor. I think, like it, I think that's was, what it does. He was on some of that tequila that uh, he talked about. If they don't sell it, they can drink it. He was on that, a little bit of that. That's what I'm wondering with the Bears. That's why I kept thinking, like, what's their ceiling? What's their floor right now? Because mm-hmm. I guess, you know, if if you really wanted to, you could probably – if, like, this was debate class, you could probably – debate pro bears con bears mm. and you'd have a decent amount probably con bears to me would win i don't think you're if you have to say are you encouraged or discouraged in the two and oh start like how they played you would say discouraged you're encouraged by the record obviously but the play on the field doesn't match the record either and it's explainable because of how bad their opponents are but how much better can they get and you know I did the uh, post-game show with Kyle Means, and Eric Edholm was on there. And he was talking about what, what I had kind of mentioned before, too, with he no preseason. He jumped Yeah. Okay. And there was no preseason. So maybe it's going to take like a month for teams to really get going. I mean, what's the old thing with the, the Patriots, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? They would just treat September like, that extended preseason, just don't go 0-4 to start off your year. That's basically what they would hope for. Can the Bears get enough 
of uh, consistency because I think the talent is there for them to be competitive and maybe contend. Certainly on both sides of the ball, maybe not a quarterback, and that could be a huge hindrance. But even saying that, Mitch has shown – I think he's, he's at least 2018 level at this point. But is that really good enough to do much of anything, especially if the defense isn't super elite like they were in 2018? So looking ahead now to this Falcons game, I, I see it almost as like a crossroad. Like Mitch is going to have to put up points if they're going to win this game. And I don't see how the defense comes away perfect in this game either. They're not going to shut down the Falcons, I don't think. They're going to score some points. So can the offense do that? Because if – you're not going to be able to just put together two good quarters of offense and expect to beat the Falcons. Calvin Ridley has four touchdowns, two in each of the first two games, right? Julio has like 180 yards. You're I think they've sorry. scored 64 points in the first two games. They've given up 69. Okay, I thought it was 78. Um, you're not – listen, you're not stopping them. With this defense who hasn't played well, um, Jalen Johnson looks better. But, man, now he's on – this is some real receivers right here, right? This isn't Sterling Shepard and – who? You know what I'm saying? This yeah, Quintus. This is the Detroit Lions with Galladay out, right? Um, you got, you got a, a, a nice starting quarterback, um, two terrific receivers, the former tight end from, uh, from the Ravens, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a guy that was had Hall of Fame trajectory, trajectory rather – um, as a running back before he hurt his knee, uh, and Todd Gurley, who's, who with this team, there's not eight in the box. So it's not like when he was with Jared, uh, Jared Goff, and, you know, you, you can sit there and try to stack the box to stop him. He was the focus of the offense. He's not the focus of the offense. The passing game is the focus of the offense for the Falcons. And the Bears haven't even really been able to stop the run like, like they have in the past. Um, yeah, I, what's Todd Gurley going to do to him potentially? Exactly. I see this as a loss. I'll say it right now. Um, I see this as a loss. If the, listen, if they pull this, well, well, hold on. What? Okay. Let's just say the Bears are going to win. What do you think they would need to do to win? That defense will have to jump back to 2018. Oof. Because you're gonna, yeah, I just don't see that happening. You're going to have to score. They're going to have to score almost twice on defense. Definitely once for them to win. They well, definitely. How much to, do you think the offense would have to score in a perfect world to beat the Falcons if the defense just maybe got turnovers but didn't score? Man. How much you think? You said the defense got turnovers, right? They Let's have, just, we'll give them they one. Have score 27, just one. They have to score 27. That's, I want to say 30. They have to score 27. I was going to say they're going to have to score over 30. So I'm yeah, I was going to say, but the only reason I said 27 is because you said they had turnovers. So that means that they stopped drives. So it's, it's not a, a straight shootout. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That means yeah. they, they, there was a number of times where they, they stopped the drive and took the ball from them and gave the Bears extra opportunities. So I can, I can lower the score slightly because the Bears have got, they've gotten – you make it seem like they, they got three or four turnovers. So if they get three or four turnovers, I think you can win by, by 27. But, I'm, but me, I think they got to score at least 31 points, and I don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't. I know Dan Quinn – probably should be let go as the head coach and find, Ooh, yeah. they find his way back to being a defensive coordinator. Uh, remembering some of the success he had with the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Um, it's time that I make mean, you're wasting away who the last of Julio's uh, great years. Um, it's time. Like you, you got to get a guy in there 
that can really accentuate all you, – you're paying premium money to your quarterback and your, your top receiver. you got to get a guy in there that can, can help facilitate more victories and get you uh, back to the, to the Super Bowl. Um, I would go look at a, a Shanahan um, prodigy. I'd be like, man, you left this cow. You got money that's up under you can come over here and just help us out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bears have to score 30-something points if they don't get the turnovers that you mentioned. Uh, to beat the Falcons, and I don't see it. I mean, the Bears' defense, to me, hasn't been great rushing the passer, stopping the run. They've been solid in coverage, but against who, like you pointed out. I I think they're going to get some stops against Atlanta. I I would be, I guess, not – I guess I should say surprised, but I'd be completely disheartened if they got their just butts whooped on defense where they couldn't stop a – a cold or anything, you know, like a nosebleed, whatever some of those sayings are, I think they'll get stops. My thing is just Mitch is really going to play four quarters. Like I think they'll run the ball and I think they'll have some success there, but Atlanta is pretty good at stopping the run where they struggle stopping the pass. And that's just, that means Mitch has got to put up points. You got to get, like you said, into the high twenties, low thirties at the minimum, I think to win this football game, and that's where I struggle with, yeah, do I really think the Bears can do it? Listen, on top of that, the last two games, there's been a chance in both games for the team to come back down the field and beat the Bears. Now you're going to do it with Matty Ice. Let's not go back to seven, eight years ago. The Bears had them beat, and Matty Ice hits that bomb, and they end up winning that yeah. game. Yeah. Right? Like, dude. You- we love you. You don't want to sit there and leave them in the game with those with those with those skill players um, and, and coming down to the two minutes and you're and on top of that. And the crazy thing about this too, like the last game, it was like, damn, if they score, if the Giants score, it's not enough time. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's that's not enough time with an offense you don't you can't even depend on. So you may not even be able to, to take it back the other way. Um, this is a you, this is against an offense that you know can score. Uh, man, it's it's a tall task. And listen, they're not even that good. Crazy thing, the Falcons aren't even that good. But offensively, man, I don't see the Bears being able to defeat the Falcons. And I, I'll stand on it if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, and I would love for them to prove me wrong um, and to see that offense click. Man, looking at Mitch getting hurt. I Listen, I hate to say it. I'm looking at maybe the the, the only way that they pull out this game is if Mitch, Mitch come up with something with his shoulder and they have to throw Nick Foles in there and Nick Foles just oh boy. gets busy all on that booty. And doing it for Carson Wentz and all the, the mishaps of the, no. the, the, the the Philadelphia Eagles, who, oh, that looks bad business out of Philadelphia right now, man. Bad. Go, Eagles, go. E-A-L-G-E-S. Never. Uh, so, go, yeah. Birds. Yeah, this, I I don't see it, Ryan. I, I don't see it um, right now. Uh, if you have to pick between who's going to win and who's going to lose, who would you take? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would pick Atlanta, but I, I'll give the Bears this. I I don't know how you can trust Atlanta. Like, they find ways to lose games. They really do. And, I mean, they can be tough. Like, they last year I think they started off like 1-7 before they ripped off enough to keep Dan Quinn's job. Yeah, so they had all they those can, injuries on defense too last year. Right. And even the year before that, I mean, it's been a routine. It seems like they always get injuries, which holds them back from going too far since that and, Super Bowl loss. And Big Beasley didn't pan out 
Yeah, but they find ways to lose games, especially early on in seasons, it seems like. So I would not be surprised, you know, Atlanta maybe being a little bit too overconfident in what they can do. And if the Bears, like, I mean, it's going to take four quarters. You can't just come in there and just decide, oh, we'll play the first half and that'll be good enough. But if the Bears play four quarters, they could do it. But I, I'll go with Atlanta. Yeah, if if, if was a fifth. We be all tipsy, uh, yeah. Again, listen, prove me wrong. I'm listen. This is Missouri, man. Show me. All right. Hey, you can't uh, you can't deny though that at least to me, these bear storylines each week. Like, it's not the sexy storylines that like, ooh, the Bears with uh, Patrick Mahomes are looking to destroy the rest of the the competition in an alternate world. This is like. All right, Mitch, what are you going to do? Like, all the pressure's on you. Or, like, how is the team going to bounce back after giving up what should have been a touchdown to Detroit? Well, they can have a great first half, and then they have a crappy second half. They've been, like, up and down, hot and cold. Like, the storylines are pretty fresh for this Bears team, at least for now. It can definitely turn south if they stop winning. Real quick, shout-out to Darnell Mooney. I didn't know this uh, reading the article today in the Tribune. Uh, he he thought that his family was going to be able to come see him in Atlanta since his hometown is two hours away. I didn't know he was from Gaston, Alabama. Uh, my family uh, had a farm on Mount Olive, Alabama, and after they sold the farm, they moved to Gaston. So Gaston is my Alabama hometown. So I when I saw Gaston, I was like, oh, he's from Gaston? Uh, so shout out to uh, Darnell Mooney uh, for uh, being from Gaston, Alabama, where all great dicks has come from. And Washington's <laughs> Darnell Davis. Darnell moves up. Probably, you know, he might. Maybe he's a cousin. I know he got to be my cousin. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Shorty. Shorty was out there looking, looking good. Uh, even though that when he tried to sit there, caught that pass and, and tried to bust a move on that. Yeah. Maybe he was like, pop. <laughs> yeah, I said, I was like, oh, that fumble. Good thing you recovered. Could have yeah, ruined yeah, a nice like, little you, day for you. He's a pros out here, kiddo. So, you know, wrap that ball up and get out of bounds. But, uh, Definitely like seeing what that rookie can do. Definitely looks like they may have a um, pretty good rookie class again. Just talking about those three players that we mentioned last week and Cole Komet, uh, Jalen Johnson, and, and Darnell Mooney, uh, just to name a few. Hopefully some of the other guys pan out too. Uh, but if you can get three three guys and you didn't have a first-round pick, that's that's pretty good uh, for the Bears. Uh, so, again, just giving, throwing out some bouquets or whatever, but the question is going to be how the Bears – pass rush in that defensive backfield against those with that, that passing game with Atlanta. Um, we have not seen the 2018 Bears yet. Uh, this needs to be – Cal Fuller's having a pretty good year. This needs to be a Cal Fuller-Eddie-Jackson game. All right? Like, we need to see our top our, – our, our guys that are in the defensive backfield, the top top paid players in the defensive backfield, they need to make sure that their presence is felt in this upcoming game down at the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. And if they don't stop the run – Good luck. Good luck trying stop, to win that game. Yeah, if they don't stop the run, it's a listen. It's a rap, rap. Because if they yeah, run, that means I was going to say rap, rap. That means the passing was in full effect. If they play action, Matt. That's Ryan about to say, going. right? Yeah, come on, dog. Like it's it's a rap, rap. Listen, it's going to be interesting to see either one of those DBs on uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Hopefully, Calvin Ridley will have a soft spot in his heart and our his heart for our team since he's still holding on to his brother. Here you go, Riley. I'm just Riley. I'm doing this for you. Uh, but yeah, so uh, definitely, like I say, I, I, I'm going to land. I know you said you're going to land. We both want the Bears to prove us wrong. I will eat my crow 
any day because if they do what they need to do against Atlanta and it doesn't look sloppy, then we can kind of see them turning the corner on this season. And, and I'm thinking about that offense being a threat because that's another thing too. One thing that you've seen since the defense isn't as staunch as it was in 2018, you got to score more. Like you can't rest on your laurels when it comes to offense. You're going to have to average 20-something points a game to win in this NFL, and they haven't been able to necessarily get there. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing progression when it comes to both sides of the ball moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. They need it. All right. Going to come back, uh, go up for grabs, and get ourselves up out of here. That Davis show. That's Davis show last segment. It's time to go to the Ryan Bukovetsky segment, if you don't know. That is up for grabs. Get it. Grabs. Oh, all right. That felt good. Yeah, good adrenaline boost right there. That reminded me of Pulp Fiction, driving the needle down to the chest. You got to get it through Wake the breastplate. Through the breastplate, I mean breastplate. You gotta get the breastplate. <laughs> through the breastplate and hit with the plunger. I would have been listen. I would have been scared to hit the plunger while going through and 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 spraying the adrenaline into the breast instead of into the heart. Uh, but yeah, and young Uma Thurman oh. up with a needle stuck in her chest. But that's what happens when you leave your heroin around people. Like, if I, if I, and that's what happens when you go off for grabs too. The more you know, don't leave your. <laughs> And we'll handle the up for grabs. All right. You just sit there and be entertained. Let's go. Uh, First up for grabs, let's talk uh, a little more bears. I wanted kind of a Mitch Trubisky kind of like reset where Mm -hmm. we're going to obviously know in X amount of weeks when they bench him because of ineffective play or by season's (laughs) end, we're going to know what we really think of Mitch. And I just want to know, has he – has uh, where does he rank? I guess in your mind, not in terms of the league or anything, but where is he at right now in your mind? Has he improved a little bit? Is it just kind of red herring stuff? No, he's improved, but it's not enough, um, especially to be a four-year, basically a four-year starter, say three and a half, with three years in his system. Um, I was on Shine and Maya Shine. He caves for for Mitch, and I was just like, you know. How can you always put it on somebody else? And Mitch, like when you talk about, because people was, people was making mention of him being, if he could be Alex Smith. Alex Smith had what, like five or six different offensive coordinators for the first like five or six years of his career, basically as a 49er. You know what I'm saying? And it, when Jim Harbaugh finally got there, uh, he helped him out and figured it out. And then he booted him for Colin Kaepernick, right? Mm-hmm. Um like, because they needed a playmaking quarterback, right? <laughs> and, but to think, so um, you, you, this guy has had stability for three seasons, and has has it wasn't an improvement. And his own head coach was like, he's not seeing what he needs to be seeing, and he's still not. He's locking in on um, Allen Robinson um, too, way too much. He he, he like the, the, this isn't the Bears from last year. They got more weapons now. Like let's even say when I say more weapons. You got Jimmy Grant, all right? You got Darnell Mooney, who's looking good. Got more snaps than Anthony Miller did, him and Javon Wims. Got more snaps than Anthony Miller. Um, you got guys. You got Cole Komet. Like, you, there's guys out there that you just don't have to lock in to Allen Robinson. This isn't the situation where Jay Cutler had just had uh, Devin Hest, who wasn't a receiver, as his key Like, one, you got a legit big-time receiver in Allen Robinson, but you, you have ancillary bits that you can feed and you don't have to keep 
showing everybody, I'm going to him. I'm going to like, no. Not, and also, you can use him as a decoy. You can lock in on him, then go other places because then you got the safeties coming in because they, they believe that you're going to him because that's what your tendency is, is to usually go to him. Um, again, he's made improvements. It's still not enough. There has been some improvements with his footwork, but then he, he, he regresses. And so he's throwing off his back foot, not landing that front foot uh, uh, enough. Um, he did run around this game, uh, which sometimes he's still too indecisive. And either he needs to take off, he needs to take off initially, or he needs to get rid of the ball. Because some of the sacks that he had this week were on him, and not necessarily the offensive line. The offensive line play is a lot better than last year's offensive line play. And I'm not saying that they're world beaters, but that's not last year's offensive line so far. Um, but he's he's still like the thing that I'm looking at. If he has two more games where he's just a half a player that plays a half, he's a Paul Canerco guy. You know, half a season, Paulie. Uh, I think Paul Canerco only had a year, maybe a year. Here we go. He played two two whole parts of the season. Paulie would just go off on one half of the season or the other. It's just fact, you know. I'm just stating facts, y'all. Y'all know it's the truth. I, I like how the Paul Canerco disses keep coming up on random shows. It's very nice. It's a good Paul running bit. I love Paul. We need Canerco. we need to get some music behind it. Yeah. Here's our Paul Canerco mess up of the day. I love Paul Canerco. It's just some of the some of the the the, the, the over Pauliness was always kind of like hmm hmm yeah. Getting back to Mitch Pauly. Um, no, if he's still that guy that he's only playing for a half either this game or the game after, you got to go to Nick Foles because you got to score more points. And what I just said in the, the Bears segment, uh, you have to score more points because that defense, one, isn't getting turnovers, but two, it's become a bend but don't break defense. That's That was not what the 2018 Bears were. They were a dominant defense. This is some, some old, like, we're good at points, but as long as we don't kind of give up the big one, and again, that may work, but with that type of defense, you need the guys to score a lot more on the offensive side of the ball. So um, Mitch is a guy. Mitch is getting a C. Maybe I would give him a C plus, but that be I actually be being nice by doing that because he's supposed to be better. Like he, I don't. He's supposed to be better than this in year three in the same system. He just he just is. He's not a kid. Um, he's he's not a kid, man. And to sit here and still be like waiting, like we you we, we may have just wasted this defense. So I'll give him a C C plus. Um, I need to see a, a lot better. Um, I need to see a lot better from Mitch. What, what were your thoughts? What would you? Yeah, I'm. I'm not too dissimilar because I I've noticed me now a couple weeks in a row in the game just kind of cursing his name out for a minute. Like, I, like I I said last week, I feel like if you have a good quarterback, that thing's a laugher by the fourth quarter against the Giants. I just. I don't think he did anything necessarily just like obviously wrong where you're just like, see, that's why it wasn't a laugher by the fourth quarter. But a good quarterback would have converted some drives, would have made a few extra throws, would have done something to, to really separate. And it was just like the Bears were leaving it on the platter for the Giants to come back. And that's where you really need leaders to step up and your quarterback. I mean, he's your main leader on a football team. And I, I think you brought up a really good point, uh, you know. The Pauly part, I know. Keep going. Like, the Bears, or I'm sorry, Mitch, he can maybe still get better. I don't necessarily believe he will, but he is improving, and it's very incremental, and it's not good enough at all. 
But one thing that would really help him out would be getting a real legit number two receiver that he trusts because that's what I thought of too. He's going way too much to Allen Robinson. There has to be another guy, whether it's like Jimmy Graham just being a big body on a curl route, whether it's Darnell Mooney who's, you know, you throw up that touchdown pass and let him go up there and get it and trust him. He came down with it. Let's give him more opportunity. You know, Anthony Miller, he really struggled last game. But if he's a guy you trust, you've got to keep going to him. They need to establish somebody else besides Allen Robinson that Mitch at least knows late in games, you know, when a play is breaking down, Allen's covered. Okay, where's Jimmy? Where's Blank? Where's whoever, you know? And you think about how many of the great teams offensively they always have some kind of tandem as a receiver and not just at the running back. It's always, hey, here's our deep threat guy, but this is our guy over the middle, let's say, or our slot receiver that we know can get open on third downs. There's always that extra option. And the Bears, at Mitch specifically, needs to start trusting somebody to be that. Facts. I totally agree with you. And David Montgomery needs to stop having in his mind what he's going to do and stop trying to jump off of dudes that aren't even all the way down, halfway up. Like, you are not that dude, Shorty. Like, relax yourself. <laughs> like, and again, it shows that they need another running back because as soon as he was almost out for the game, the question's about how are you going to do this because then you start to see the lack of nuance from Cordero Patterson trying to break everything outside. Like, everything's uh, everything's in and around. A sweep. Yeah, it's like, no, dude, you got to hit that hole, especially with that speed. You may be there. It may look like that hole, that hole is closed or that, that defensive player is closing that gap. With the type of speed you have, man, if you hit that step, you may be able to get past him. You can't do that. But, yeah, I just had to throw in that David Montgomery who had a good game, uh, but still it's like, shorty, you can't be out here doing that. You would not say Quan Barkley. All right. Like, and even at that point, Saquon didn't need to try to jump over that. That dude was halfway up. All right. Like there was nothing good going to come from that situation. Right. And you sat there and got a stinger. Uh, please, kiddo. No. Know your place. Exactly. David Montgomery. <laughs> know your limitation. <laughs> but uh, let's go up for grabs. What you got? What else you got? Uh, football. We'll go the entirety of the league. Uh, what's catching your eye? Team, player, what's been most interesting outside of the Bears football-wise to you? One, hopefully Russell Wilson can finally get his MVP. Um, Looks like he's gunning for it. Dropping dimes, dropping dimes. Um, man, that Seattle offense uh, looks great. Um, I got tired of hearing Chris Collinsworth talk about Cam plays like we never seen it before. Like right here, you know, it's a fullback in front of him. He's 270 pounds. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, they've been doing this for a decade now, right? And then to see that play where it was like, I know y'all better not try to run that same stuff with Cam. And like they like Josh McDaniels had a brain glitch right there. Uh so that's what listen, the turf at MetLife Stadium. It's killing people out there. Yeah, it killed the 49ers. It's been it's, their toughest it's, opponent in like two years. It ruined their season. It's so, listen, 49ers could have had a chance to return to the Super Bowl. Guess what? Not this. Nope. Year, right? Like, and they got to play there again this weekend. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Like, yeah, they stayed, they basically, they stayed, in, they stayed in New York. So they, they told the league, like, dude, this stuff is... And stupid. they stayed not by choice. All their legs were too broken to like, get back <laughs> on the <plane>. <laughs> 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 oh man, it's gonna stay. Um, so, uh, uh, coach, we're too injured to make it to the airport. 
Drew Brees showing his age. Like, I love how everyone believes because one guy's doing it. Like, just because Adrian Peterson could basically three months to come back from the ACL, Derrick Rose and Perm Braze himself, uh, uh, Robert Griffin III thought they could do the same thing. It was like, nah, you're not that type of mutant, right? And for the fact that Tom Brady has played so well as an old quarterback, Drew Brees' little ass is like, I'm going to do that age too. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and, um, I love Drew Brees. But, man, so that's definitely stood out. What else has stood out to me as far as trying to go through? Baker Mayfield is trash. Um, I hate to say it, too. I don't, I don't kind of actively root against him, even though he's been a twerp. And I didn't like when he was talking about uh, – uh, uh, Duke Johnson's money last offseason before the season started about him being in with us and it was about his contract it's like don't tiki barber this with Michael Strahan stay out of that man's money um, especially when it's like it's different like me and you talking about somebody's pockets is talking heads you're his teammate in the locker room with him you don't broach that with the media uh, so just to see the fact that the, the Browns have done everything and given Breaking Mayfield every opportunity to super succeed and yeah they beat Cincinnati but it's the Bengals, so the Bungles, even though Joe Burrow looks like he's going to be a really good QB. Uh, but maybe let's not have him throw 61 times in a I game. Agree with, I agree with you. I mean, like uh, Ryan Clark. <laughs> you are paying Mixer. Joe Mixon, right? See, that's why I never <laughs> I drafted Joe Mixon one time, and I tell myself, like, never fall for that Joe Mixon hype. Another thing, Tony had texted me, and he's like, man, I'm happy I didn't do fantasy this year because all the players that got hurt. But it's funny, for the most part, I stayed away from those players. I stayed away from Saquon. I didn't have the opportunity to draft him, but I didn't want to draft him because I was like, with that Giants offense, I didn't see it necessarily popping. Uh, right. So I'm always leery. Uh, Chris McCaffrey had too much on his plate uh, with Cam not being there at all. You with Teddy Bridgewater, and we know that team basically wants to try to get Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Um, so I, I didn't draft him. The only player that I drafted that's hurt me so far is Michael T- <laughs> And I always will draft Michael Thomas because it's a PPR league and he's helped me out so many times. So I don't even feel bad with uh, drafting him uh, necessarily. But, yeah, it's uh, been the injuries, man. And that's the thing about not having a preseason. The injuries have been have been um, eye-opening. And that's one thing. I, I look at the Bears and I'm like, man, if the Bears stay healthy, they got a chance. Right. They might win the attrition. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because guys are going – down, down, uh, going down, down, down. I mean, we just said it. I would have probably, if you would have put gun to my head right now, who's going to win the NFC before we two, I probably would have been leaning 49ers. I just think that they're a complete team and I like everything that they got. But now, oh boy. George, George Kittle has a knee too. Mo- uh, monster. And it, he comes back and they lose him. See you later. So, yeah, dude. I mean, it's bad business. So the, definitely, I would say the injuries are the most thing, are the most glaring. Where it's like, man, these guys are tearing ACLs. Joey Bosa, I mean Nick Bosa, not Joey. Uh, Nick Bosa, just looking at these guys blowing ACLs, man, it's, it's sad. And I mean, you're talking about guys being lost for a whole year, and I mean, you never know. So yeah, that that's been the biggest thing. What's been the biggest thing to you? What stood out. I Besides the stuff that you were talking about, Dallas has stood out to me. But that's two weeks in a row. Mike McCarthy, I think, is trying to like lose them a football game. It's Mike McCarthy, baby. Uh, yeah, like I don't know that that feels like that's going to be a Christmas gift for me, where it's going to be like Cowboys disappointing, and that's going to be everybody upset over it. 
Because I love when that happens, first of all. What's uh, Whoa, you're going to say some smart aleck comment about my Cowboys hate? No, I'm with I'm with all the Cowboy hate. Okay. Um, it's not because you're about to disagree. Jerry. No, it's because of Jerry. Uh, also, it's because of Jerry because you should never – the owner should never be that close to the players because you, you, you usurp the authority of the head coach. When I can always – I can talk to you. I don't like this. He needs to be giving me the ball more. It needs to be distance between the owner and the players like that. So that's part of the problem that he has with his head coaches is he takes away the authority that they have because players can go directly to Jerry since Jerry is the GM and around the players too often. Um, so, no, I feel you all the way with, with them. And I, I like the players, but, again, you bring up Mike McCarthy and we think about the fact that there was a lack of motion uh, with Aaron Rodgers. He still was out there playing like he had uh, James Jones and, and, and Driver um, out there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like he was he, – he didn't adapt. And you start to see the same thing, especially that first game where it's like, dude, you got you to gotta put guys in motion. Like when you – like you, the funny thing, like if you watch enough football, and I know you saw it, it was a play with um, – was this the Lions? I think it was a play. It was a, it was a play, I believe, with Evan Ingram perhaps. But the um, Giants put their guy in motion. And as soon as he came back to about, about a tackle, he took off. He had a head, a running head start. And you knew he was the first option. And it's just like, dude, you got to – first of all, put your guys in motion to find out if they're in a damn zone or playing man. But you got to put those guys in motion, man. You got to give them different looks. And that's one thing that Mike McCarthy necessarily hasn't adapted to, um, especially since he's supposed to spend all this time in his basement with his super friends having coaching meetings like they actually had a team last year. So I'm with you on that, man. My the super friends. Maybe he was he getting him another massage. We buy the friends. It was like, yeah. All the rubber Use the back door. <laughs> uh, one other you. thing that caught my eye was Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, some of the younger quarterbacks, like really looking good. And then you kind of got Mitch where we're talking about his improvement. But I'm seeing – or even Kyler Murray's got to be thrown in there like – Look at these people's listen, improvement. Listen, Kyler Murray. Oh my lord! And I ain't, I'm not even talking about his arm. I'm talking about his feet. I was it telling everybody me. draft this dude if you're doing I, fantasy. I, I, I would have. I was going to. I definitely was going to draft him. It reminds me of uh, Barry Sanders. Um, the way that with a simple Jew, guys are just falling out of planes. It's like Lamar, like Lamar yeah, in the NFC. But it's but in a way, Lamar t- right now, Lamar takes more hits, right? Because one, he's six three almost. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy, you don't even see him until he's up on your ass, <laughs> right? Like, Mighty Mouse, right? And he's like, like it's just it, listen, his ability to change direction and not stop is testering. Right, like his ability to do his his stutter step, but he's not slowing down really when he's doing his stutter step. Right, it's just like what the hell? I tell and I was like, can you just watch this? Watch him for a minute, right? Just look at him, how he's moving. Uh, listen, I t- I talked up Arkish on the Dan David show two seasons, three seasons ago. My guy was Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield. And he told me Baker Mayfield is the guy. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I will stand on my Josh Allen and his racism every week in this bad boy because look at what Josh Allen. Very D of you. Very D of me. Uh, I, I will stand on his. his, his uh, he's a kid with bad tweets. 
Uh, but I'm going to make fun of it because he shouldn't have done it in the first place. But, uh, yeah, Josh Allen is my guy. Um, and he's playing like it's making me proud that he's my guy and showing that Baker Mayfield is trash. Uh, so, yeah, man, I like, I like that. Just, Justin, Justin Herbert, to be a guy that didn't think he was going to play that day since Tyrod Taylor had whatever's going on with his chest in the pregame, and you're like, hey, Shardy, you can play. Uh, there was an update. I think they were trying to administer an injection into his ribs, and it went wrong. Ooh, he like, y'all, y'all messed my ish up. All right, Luol Deng. I was just about to say, I was just going to say, am I Luol Deng? You <laughs> stuck it in my chest. How did it end up in my spine? <laughs> How long is that needle? What game? That needle. Uh, my chest isn't in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I mean, like, I'm like, listen, whatever assistant uh, is right there, let me use your phone real quick. Let me use your phone, man. Hello, agent? Yeah, put the lawyer on the phone. <laughs> they out here effing. Get me like, the hell out of Los Angeles. What? Like, what? What did y'all do? Y'all punctured his lung? What did you do? And for how? Oh, uh, Justin Herbert, where did you just start? We killed Tyrod Sorry, Taylor. What? Listen, Shadow was probably eating something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was on the crapper too. You know how different that pregame is when you're not expecting to play. You like, man, yeah, we go, we go, yeah. get, uh, we go. Like he out there just chilling and whatnot, man. He's on Tinder swiping. Exactly, and you like, man, get ready, get ready to go. He's like, <laughs> on a date. No, I haven't even been getting reps. We didn't have a preseason. I haven't even been getting reps in this bad boy. Only my right fingers loosened up right now. Listen, he went out and he played. He played well. Um, he played a lot better than time you saw him at Oregon. Um, he, he played well. So definitely, uh, you see these young players. I can't wait to see Tua out there. Uh, whenever uh, the, the Fitz magic wears off, he had a good game uh, this past week uh, against Buffalo. And I was just thinking, like, I wonder when he looks at Buffalo, does it make him think about his Buffalo days and the money he stole from him? Um, does he think about Harvard? Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the quarterback play, for, and these are guys that didn't have a preseason. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's good to see. It's good to see the transition with all these young quarterbacks, especially when we said the brothers come in last year with Mahomes, Deshaun, and Lamar, led by Russ, who's been doing it for more than the rest of them. And now you see these other guys coming to let us know the league's going to be fine, man. So I definitely agree with you to play of the young QBs, but man, Kyler Murray, dog. And you y'all traded y'all traded DeAndre Hopkins to him? Like, listen, I mean, I know, I know Deshaun Watson had to sign that deal because it was so much money, but man, I would have signed it begrudgingly. Well, that's why I think he only did like a four-year deal. I can't I'm it's mine. I can't stand you, Right? Like, right. I got to get paid, but you... Two years, I better get a new GM. You traded him? Like, wow, dude. Like, that's... And they, uh, they're off to a rough start themselves. Right, right. it's a wrap. They're, listen, he's going to get a receiver this shit because they drafted him. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamar Chase, LSU, come on down. We so, need you, uh, Houston. You got, any, you got any more up for grabs? My last up for grabs... Want to talk Eastern Conference Finals? Want to know your thoughts on Game 4? Heat Celtics. So what? The Celtics finally figured out how to bust up the Heat zone, quote, unquote. 
Celtics have more. Maybe Gordon Hayward. I was going to say that if Gordon a nice Hayward, enough addition. Gordon, Gordon Hayward is back and fits into the rotation, like they can easily adjust to him being back. They should win the series, I would think. But it's hard for me to go against the Heat, like I told you uh, last week. Uh, the Heat, man, they just that, that culture is just something. They have the better head coach, uh, and Eric Spolstra. Uh, that culture is a mother. Significantly better, and you know or just thing. better. I would say, I would say significant. Brad Stevens, the, the collapse of the Brad, because you see, this is the thing when I say culture, it's more than just X's and O's how, and how it permeates. You know what I'm saying? And Brad oh, yeah. Stevens is still learning how to create a culture. Now, maybe he has now, but what happened when Kyrie was there, I place a lot of that on Brad Stevens. And a lot of coaches, it would have been squarely placed on him, but since he's basically like the godson, um, and the chosen one, he didn't really get hit with that. I feel like Eric Spolstra would have done a lot better than that. So, uh, and also, Eric Spolstra has has championships. All right, like so. Yeah, I would say he's like what? I mean, let's be honest. Outside of that team that had uh, Isaiah Thomas the second, I mean, not the real Isaiah Thomas uh, that had the, the best record in the East. What has Brad Stevens really done? You know, and I'm a I'm a Brad, I'm a fan of his. I think he's a very good coach, but I also think because we, we, the narrative has is, is been shaped that he's a very good coach that we just say that and we keep it moving. So, yeah, I think Eric Spolstra is uh, – I would put Eric Spolstra, I would put Nick Nurse ahead of him. Who else would I put ahead of Brad Stevens? We're talking league-wide? Greg Popovich, of course. Um, Mike Malone? Billy Donovan? No, I wouldn't put Billy Donovan ahead of uh, Brad Stevens. I, that wouldn't be fair. I, I'll be. I'm not just going to try to uh, uh, blast Brad Stevens. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe Malone. Maybe Malone may. I, I may put Malone ahead of. Him. I'll say that. Outside of that, I don't know. If there's anybody else that I would necessarily uh, put it. I would put. You know what? And I know he's lost in the first round. I may put Nate McMillan ahead of him. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think Nate McMillan had uh, over an overabundance of talent on his teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't yeah. you know what I'm saying. So, I may put Nate McMillan slightly ahead of him with what he has. I said, give Nate McMillan, Nate, give Nate McMillan uh, that Boston team with all the talent they have on that team. And, you know what I'm saying? Because they got, they got talent. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the five, they're starting. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're starting Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, like, that's a talented. And Kemba. I'm sorry, I forgot Kemba. That's a talented starting five. Of course, that would mean that Tatum would have to be your center. So, of course, that's not how it works. And even though Kimber really hasn't been playing well. Um, but, yeah, they got a lot of talent on that team. Uh, so, I, I would I would still – maybe maybe Nate, but I can understand if somebody came to me about the Nate thing, maybe Nate. Um, but, yeah, I would. that's how I would, I would view it. So, you got uh, Heat, you think, in game four, take control? I don't know. I told you – I, I had, oh, I, I, I partially had the heat win. Look at this cop out. I'm, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I can All of our listeners are going to be listening tomorrow I can tell morning, you the waiting are for the big time. Oh, oh boy, go out on a limb, would you? Um, I, I would say as of right now. Yeah, which is what we need right now. I kind of want to lean towards the Celtics. As of yeah, right. get over here. I kind of want to lean towards the Celtics. Bandwagon right. is warm right now. All Beers right, are I, flowing. I, I do, but if the Heat win 
tomorrow, I'm right back. <laughs> but I, I kind of want to lean towards the Celtics because, like you mentioned, uh, Gordon Hayward's going to come back. Also, they, they, they seem to seem to understand the Heat zone. Uh, but this is the thing, too. And the one thing I like about uh, the Heat, that when, when Jimmy Butler doesn't have to – doesn't score in, in the 20s and they still can beat you, what happens when he scores 20, 25 points? You know what I'm saying? They're not talking about it's a forced 20, 25 points. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean, I, it's something about that heat swag, man. It's just like I, I yeah. vibe with, I vibe with the grittiness. I, grab, I vibe with the grittiness of it. And he, defense travels, man. Defense travels. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. I, Where are they traveling? In the bubble? Travels in the bubble from overhead over there. Yeah. The travels from what? <laughs> right there. Then it travels right there. It travels. Uh, <laughs> you get what I mean. Oh, it's good. All right. Good. So uh, definitely make sure you check out uh, the Flipping Friends this upcoming weekend. I'm sure we'll have uh, some great topics. We had some great topics last week. We had a pretty good show. Uh, Ryan, Sydney, and myself uh, continue to support all of our platforms. Make sure you're checking out We Are Regal Radio with uh, the Bears post game, perhaps I'll pop in on that. Uh, give Ryan his football Sunday since he wants to take up my Sunday after watching Lovecraft Country and sipping whiskey. I'm sorry. I thought you were. I thought you were doing some diet that precluded you from doing those type of things. I ain't started yet. Um, I am though. I am going to do a diet. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm All right. Of- why don't we start this Sunday? Uh, we'll see. Um, out of shape. I need to get back into some shape uh, for myself and for my family. You know what's a great way of getting in shape? Staying clean on Sunday and doing a post-game wrap-up. A Sunday? The, the good Lord say you rest on Sunday and then rest, he meant. Well, certain religions, Saturday, right? Why don't you turn the Sabbath into the Sabbath? I'm not a seven-day evangelist. Okay, I will find out. But uh, definitely... Just pretend you're Jewish. Davis, right? That's uh, That's pretty Jewish. Is it? No. I was about to say, I didn't know how to, you just really dropped something on me. I was like, what? Like, how do you know what? Oh, oh yeah, the Gaston Jews. You haven't <laughs> heard about <laughs> The great Gaston Jews. Sal Davis here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Saul. Uh, oh. I always appreciate you. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> uh, we always appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Uh, to give us a listen. So please continue to do that. And uh, man, listen, just stay safe. Have a good one.